a few years ago, we, me and my wife, we started, or me and my family, I guess I should say, we started doing Advent at our house. And if you're like me, you did not grow up in the church, and so uh, maybe you didn't know what Advent was. Uh, I didn't know what Advent was until I was a little bit in college. Um, I just always called it Christmas. And uh, so when we decided to do Advent, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, so I just made up my own Advent story, uh, or Advent study, I guess I should say. I didn't make the story up. The story <laughs> from the Bible. And uh, it's funny, we're here, we're in the third, uh, we're in the third part of Advent, uh, in our Advent celebration, and usually this is, the, this is the story I read at the very end, because to me it's, it's when he Advented, right? Like when he came in. Um, and so, you know, you may ask, why did you do it that way? And the answer is simple. I had no idea what I was doing, so I just did it. Uh, <laughs> and, and also, I love this story because as I share the gospel with people, when I go out and I share the gospel with people and I explain to them the gospel, I always start here. I always start here. And uh, it's funny, I, I always mention the Charlie Brown Christmas movie. Have you ever seen that? The prophet Linus, right? Like Charlie Brown's like, he's struggling and he's like, can't do anything right. Everybody's mad at him. He got this stupid tree. Um, I shouldn't use that word. Uh, but <laughs> he, got that, he got that little tree and everybody's, everybody's mad at him. They're laughing. And he goes, can anyone tell me what Christmas is all about? And then Linus steps up and he goes, sure, Charlie Brown. I'll tell you what Christmas is all about. And he goes to the stage and he quotes Luke 2 uh, from the King James Bible. And I love it, man. Linus just spitting truth up there. So um, today, in this installment of our Advent celebration, and it is a celebration, uh, we're going to be talking about peace. So we started off with hope. And then last week, Pastor John spoke about the faithfulness of God, and today we light the third Advent candle for peace. So let me go ahead and do that. Yeah. All right, cool. Like I said, I have no idea what I'm doing up here. Uh, I would have to Google what each candle is for, and I think that's okay, um, because... <laughs> The, uh, the emphasis is Christ. And so before I start, like I start all of my studies or all of my sermons, I want to start with uh, two things, and they're very important to me. And uh, I always start this way because uh, I just, when I leave, uh, if I've had any impact on people, what I want them to remember is the greatest commandments and the greatest commission, right? And so there was a time when Jesus was teaching and there was, a, there was a guy he heard, he was like, man, he's, he's, he, he answered these guys very well, right? These guys are trying to argue with him. And he goes, hey, teacher, of all the commandments and all the law, which is the greatest? And so Jesus says, the greatest is this, listen, Israel, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is similar to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And then, the, last, and then the, the next thing I want you guys to remember, if you remember you know, nothing else from my time with you, is love God, love people, and go and make disciples. Before Jesus left the earth, he gave his disciples a commandment, a, a commission. We call it the Great Commission. And he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, 
and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, and I will be with you until the end of the age. And so I just, I always want to drive that home. I always want to make sure uh, that is on our minds. But as we get ready to read uh, this passage, this wonderful, amazing passage, I want to ask that you please stand to your feet out of reverence for uh, the reading of God's word. Um, again, this is not a necessary thing. It's just one of those things. It's, it's a small thing that we do with our bodies to remind our hearts that these are God's words and not, not mine, not yours. They're, they're from him. So this is from Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. I'll read to verse 21. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, and suddenly there, were, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. This is the word of God to the people of God. You may be seated. All right. I'll go ahead and pray. Father, I love you. I love you so much, and I thank you uh, for what you have done for us. I thank you that you came, that, that a Savior was born. I thank you for um, this church. And Lord, I just pray that as I uh, preach this word, that you would preach through me, that uh, you would increase and I would decrease and that, that you would speak to our hearts, Lord. And if there's anything that I leave out, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would, you would put it where it needs to be, God. May your name and, and may you be glorified today. I love you so much, and I thank you for the cross and for the resurrection. To your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right. So, starts off, uh, there, were some, there, are these, there are these shepherds, right? It just says in the same region, right? There were some shepherds that were laying out in the field. I say they were laying out in the field. I'm sorry. I say that they're laying out in the field because it's nighttime, but it actually doesn't say that. Um, there's some of that, you know, what the culture has told us uh, about the Christmas story. In my mind, th- these guys are laying out in the field, right? They're petting sheeps and, um, <laughs> you know, just making sure they're good. And, and then all of a sudden an angel appears to them, right? So it's nighttime, it's dark, and all of a sudden, like, and this isn't, you know, now where it's like, oh, there's a light. I wonder if it's like an airplane or like a border patrol guy or whatever, right? Like, no, like, like, it's like, what the heck 
is this, right? And so they're filled with this great fear. And it's not just any light. It says the glory of the Lord shone around them, right? So they're, they're terrified, right? And any time anytime an angel of the Lord shows up in Scripture, they always say the same thing. They always say, hey, fear not. Don't be afraid, right? For whatever reason, that's terrifying. I don't know. I've never met an angel, but I'd imagine I would be terrified. And so, so but he doesn't stop there. He says, he says, hey, don't be afraid because I bring you good news, right? I was listening to a preacher the other day. He was talking about this, and he said, the angel could have said anything, right? He could have, he could have said, run, right? <laughs> but, but he doesn't. He says, look, I, got, I have good news for you, good news, and it's, gonna be of, it's good news of great joy, and it's for you, and it's for all the people, and what is this good news? Today, in the city of David, a Savior has been born, who is Christ the Lord. So he tells them, hey, a Savior has been born. So that's the good news, right? So when you think about that, some of you, you might hear that. Maybe you tell people that, and, and maybe they say, like, okay, so, so why is that good news, right? And so it's good news because we need a Savior and I want to be as clear and as simple as possible when I say this. And I'm not, this isn't like a hallmark of my, of my preaching. But uh, I, just, I just want to be so, so clear, right? We need a Savior. You and I, we have done things that deserve God's wrath. We all deserve to be punished by God, right? And I'm just going to use the word, we all deserve to go to hell, Right? And maybe, you know, I, it used to be a thing where it was like, you know, have you just become so numb to that word, like hell, right? But now it's like we're almost afraid to say it in church, right? Nobody, nobody wants to be the fire and brimstone preacher, right? Like nobody wants to be that church. But, but we need a Savior, right? And, and God sent us a Savior. And that's why he says it's good news. And I love that word good news. It's the same word that we use when we say we preach the gospel, the word for gospel is good news. And I'm going to talk about the gospel today up front because I think that it's the foundation of everything else. Like, like if, we, if we don't get the gospel, we're not going to understand hope. We're not going to understand God's faithfulness. And we're definitely not going to understand how we can have peace. Because I, I love what Dave said when he was praying. He said, peace is not just the absence of conflict. It's the removal of the wrath of God. And that's what the gospel has done for us. So the gospel, right? So we all sin. We all deserve hell. We all deserve punishment from God. And God says, I'm going to send a Savior, right? And there, there used to be this thing in the Old Testament where uh, they, would, they would kill animals, right? They would sacrifice these animals. And what you would do is you would bring the animal before the priest, and you'd lay your hand on its head, and you'd, you'd confess your sins over it, right? And so it was a picture of your sins being placed on someone else. And then once you confess those sins, the priest would come through and he would slit its throat. He would slaughter the animal, right? Yeah, it's, it's kind of disgusting. <laughs> but, it, but, but that's the picture of what we deserve. That's the picture of, of how disgusting our sin is to God. And, he says, he said, and so it's this picture of your sins being placed on someone else and then someone else dying in your place right? It's the essence of what John the Baptist said. And John, I used to say that Hebrews 10.22 is my favorite verse. I think John 129 is my favorite verse now. Like, you know, it says the next day John saw Jesus walking toward him. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world, 
right? And that's what he did for us. See, um, 2 Corinthians 5.21, it tells us that God made him, I'm sorry, I, I memorized it in a different version. If it's up here, I'll just read it from the ESV. It says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God, right? That's, that's that, that picture, right? Like all our sin is placed on Jesus, right? So that we could become the righteousness of God. So it's almost like a, an exchange of garments, like our sin garments being placed on Jesus and his righteous garments being placed on us. And then in Romans 3, starting in verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward, very important word, as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus, right? And that word propitiation, it's, it's, it's kind of a big word, right? But in the way I always explain it to my children, right, I say it's like if God puts all our sin on Jesus and he raises, us up on, raises him up on the cross and say this is like the wrath of God, right? Again, I'm, I'm explaining this to my children. This is God's wrath and it's supposed to crush us. And on the cross, he stood in the way, and he took all the wrath of God for us. All the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus on our behalf. And this is what the angel is saying. Look, I'm bringing you good news. Everything you've ever done can be forgiven now. Because today, a Savior has been born. A Savior is here. And he is Christ the Lord. And that is what brings us peace. Because again, it's like, it's like Dave prayed, right? It's not about, you know, um, I wrote it down because I knew I was going to forget. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the removal of the wrath of God, right? And it's, it's the holiday times, right? We just got through Thanksgiving. You know, maybe you're thinking like, oh no, I need peace in my family. Because you don't know what it's like to sit at the dinner table with my mother-in-law, right? You don't know what it's like to, to have these arguments, you know, with my friends at work. You, like, like, I see what's happening in the world, and we need peace on earth, right? And, it, and if that's the peace that you're hoping for, you're missing the point because you're never going to find peace in any of those things, right? All that stuff's going to be fleeting, right? But when you have the peace of God on your life, when you know, man, my sin has been atoned for, my sin is taken away, he looks at me as his son now, he looks at me as his daughter now. Then all that other stuff all of a sudden comes into perspective. It comes into perspective. And it reminds me of this, uh, it reminds me of this song, right, uh, by Horatio Spatford. I believe that's how you say his name, Spatford. Um, it's called It Is Well. It's an old hymn, right? And the story behind that song, song hymn is so powerful, because if you want to see the peace of God at work in someone's life, just look at that story. So Horatio Spatford, there was a time, you know, he, he's living or whatever. He's got a, a wife and kids, and his son dies. And then sometime after that, there's a big fire in Chicago, and it ruins him financially. So here you are, right? Your son is dead. Your business is under, and, and you're, you're still trying, right? And so he goes, you know what? God is still good to me. 
and I'm going to go, I'm going to go overseas, I'm going to serve God. But before he could go, he had some other business he had to take care of. So again, being a good man, right, he's like, okay, I'm going to take care of this business. And so he sent his wife and his four daughters over before him. But on the way, there was a collision at sea, and all four of his daughters die. Right, so there you are, right? If anyone has the right to be a wreck, to not have peace within themselves, it would have been this man, right? And as he, you know, like, like my son's dead, my, my business is under, and I'm just trying to serve God here. I'm just trying to do, I, I just want to do right by my family and do right by God, and then now my daughters are dead. But as he passes over in the ocean, sorry, over the place where his daughters had drowned, he writes this hymn, and he says, you know, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. So he says, it's almost like the right interpretation of Philippians 4.13, right? Like, whatever happens to me, I'm good, because you've made, you've made everything okay. And I think the key comes in this, in this line where he says, oh, my sin, Oh, the glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole has been nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. It is well, it is well with my soul, right? That's what God, I'm so sorry. Mucinex and nerves, huh? All right, so, so that is what got Horatio Spatford through that. It wasn't that he, you know, thought he was going to get his daughters back in this life or anything like that. It wasn't that, oh, well, maybe God will, you know, make my business, business better or whatever. It was, it was, no, like, God has reconciled me to himself. All my sin is taken away, and that's what, that's what gives me peace, right? That's why, that's why the host say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. That is the peace that he offers today through the gospel. And then the second part of what they say, I love this. And, and I don't know if you've ever caught this before, but it says, peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. For those of us who know the grace of God, those of us who know the forgiveness of our sins in Christ Jesus, I want to ask you a question. Do you really believe that God loves you? And not just, the, not just yeah, like, I, I believe that God loves the world, right, in a general sense. And not just, like, yeah, like, God is love. But, like, like, no, like, he loves you. Like, when I look at my relationship with God, do I think, man, God loves me. He loves Zul, right? If you were to walk up to God and go, hey, do you know Zul? Like, he'd be like, of course I know Zul. I love him. He's my son, right? I love Hannah. I love John. I love these. They're mine, right? And, and not only do I love them, I'm pleased with them. And, and maybe that's even harder for you to really believe that God, not just, he doesn't just love you. He's pleased with you. He looks at you and he looks at your, your faith and your trust and what, what Jesus has done for you. And he says, yeah, my son died to redeem you, and I'm pleased with you. I love you. So there's a, there's a passage in uh, the book of John. Uh, it's called the High Priestly Prayer. 
um, John 17. And so in verse 23, he says, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Do you get that? God looks down, and, and, and trust me, I've been praying for you, Risen Church, because this is so hard to explain. One of my favorite preachers, Paul Washer, he says, the hardest thing I have to do is preach about the love of God for sinful men, because no matter how hard I preach or how hard I try, I cannot get that across, right? Like, look at what he says, as the Father loved me, he has loved you, right? Think about how much love the Father has for Jesus Christ, and that's the way he feels about you. If you believe in Jesus, that's how he feels about you. And it's not just him. Look at what, look at what Jesus says in John 15, 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. So the way that God, the Father, loves Jesus, that's the way he loves us. The way that, that Jesus I'm sorry, the way that the Father loves Jesus, that's the way Jesus feels about us, right? This is, these are Jesus' words, right? I'm not making this up, right? Some of you, I, I know sometimes we get into these arguments, well, you know, is God, you know, like, like I don't want to make it about us, and I'm not making it about us. Like, God doesn't love us because we're so great. He loves us because he's that good, and that's why his love, you know, deserves praise. That's why when we say, man, glory to God in the highest, you have saved me, you have loved me, you're pleased with me. And it's not just the, the New Testament. Look, in the Old Testament, 2 Samuel twenty two twenty. 20, he says, as the, uh, he says, he brought me out into a broad place and he rescued me. Why? Because he delighted in me. This is what David is saying. David is, David is bold enough to say, man, God delights in me. Right? And I just, I just, I want you to wrestle with that this morning. Do you believe that? Do you, can you say that with David? Right, and he doesn't just say it there. He says it in the Psalms. I'm not going to go into it, but it's just, can you say with David, man, God delights in me, right? He really does. That's my relationship with God. Is he, is, he's pleased with me. He loves me. He's delighted in me, and it's all because of the cross. None of this makes sense. None of this makes sense without the cross. One more passage uh, just to show you I'm not playing. Isaiah 62, verse 4, you shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate, but you shall be called, my delight is in her, and your land married, for the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. So I want you to dwell on that. I want you to really, really believe, Risen Church. Look back, look back at this day when, when the angels came and they said, hey, a Savior has been born, and now God, God has come. He, it's, it's God with us. He's taking away your sins, and he loves you. He's pleased with you. He wants relationship with you. He delights in you. Come to him. And one last observation before I close. Um, it's kind of a scary observation. <laughs> so Luke 2.14, uh, 2, going back to our story. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And there is an implication there, just like in Romans 8, 1, where it says, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's a horrifying implication that there is nothing but condemnation for those who are not in Christ Jesus. And there's an implication here that there are people 
There are people with whom God is not pleased, right? And I'm not, I'm not here, like, I'm not saying that with a smile on my face, <laughs> right? I'm not saying that because, like, you know, we're the church and you're the world and, like, you know, yay us, boo you, right? I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get the point across that, that if you don't believe in Jesus, if you haven't trusted in what he has done, God, is, God cannot be pleased with you. All his wrath abides on you. Right? Go read John 3 if you think I'm, I'm lying to you. So that's the bad news. The good news, right? Oh, I'm sorry. And Jesus, I mean, look at Jesus' words in John 17. I am praying for them. This is John 17, 9. I don't know if I sent it to you. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Right? This runs deep, and it's not just me. I'm not just reading this into the text. Right? I, I want you to really understand. For those of you who are in Christ, I want you to seriously understand how much God delights in you and how much he loves you and, and how he longs for you. And for those of you who are not in Christ, I want you to understand who you are and who, what God is offering you. He's offering you peace with himself. He's offering you reconciliation. He's saying, you can come. You can be in this family I can put my delight on you. You don't have to be in a subject of my wrath. You can be a, a subject of my delight, right? And it says, so, so if you want peace with God, believe in Jesus Christ. I have, uh, actually, yeah, I'll just, I'll just share this one last thing. It's Romans 10, 9 through 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, right? It's that simple. I know it, it, seems, it seems silly to some of you, but it's our faith that credits us this righteousness. God says, look, if you, if you look to what my son has done, and you trust in what my son has done, I'll, I'll bring you in. I'll love you. I'll pour my delight out on you. You can come. You can be in my family. You can be my son. You can be my daughter. So with that, that's, uh, that's how I'll end. And I'll pray. We're going to have some songs. We're going to have people in the back with lanyards. If you want to accept that love, if you want to accept that peace that God gives us, you want to accept that peace that came into the world, that, that a Savior has been born, you want to say, yes, I want that, please go talk to the people with lanyards on in the back. Don't leave today without that. And for those of you who are in Christ, maybe you need to go back and get prayer too so that you can, you know, really just say, you know what, I, I haven't been living in God's peace. I haven't been living in God's light. I don't, I don't even know if I believe what he said up there. I know he, he read it from the Bible, but I, I just, I, you know, my, my head and my heart aren't connecting here. So maybe you need prayer for that too. So I'm going to pray. The band's going to come up and uh, we'll end here.